digger here and ain't no wannabes here with some not so nice advice for your writing career to be clear no punches will be pulled but the punch may be spiked how they like before they get on the mic to my left we got the mighty Mer Lafferty and if I piss her off believe me she'll come after me and her co-host Matt Evan Wallace on the right yes she may be half as hype as she could take him in a fight so settle in folks buckle in and boot up time to meddle in a way to make your writer shut up it's hard work but the perk is that it's fun and exciting Facebook will still be there when you're done writing Ditch Diggers! So coming to you live from the Val Kilmer <laughs> Theater of the Ditch Diggers Mansion, it is the Ditch Diggers with Mer Lafferty and Matt Wallace, and we're here celebrating Matt's book launch, Savage Crowns, out today, completing the Savage Rebellion trilogy. Hello, Matt. The whole trilogy. It's done. Hello, Mer. Thank you. There is no one, no one I'd rather celebrate a book release day with than you. We, we we've been through all the wars together you are probably my oldest friend at this point in my life that i still speak to and uh yeah so i was like if i'm gonna do something for my launch i want it to be with i want it to be with mer oh now i'm gonna get all, all weepy you should it's an exciting time these are good Dude. times man we're both doing good we both got books coming out you just you just showed a beautiful uh, arc of your new one uh yes. before we started and uh, yeah, it's amazing. Yes, I do have arcs of Chaos Terminal now. I'm not sure what to do with them, but they're just, it's very exciting. I have them. I and mean, not not to be a dick, but I would like one. I can I mean, send I don't you know. one. That would be it would be good. I said I sent you my my book. I mean, I mean it was for self it was for selfish reasons. I wanted your help promoting the book, so yeah. that's why we did it. But still, you know, but I your would. publicist sent it to me. My publicist did. We're going to get into all of that later, but my publicist, Cassidy, is amazing. Um, I love her. It's been reinvigorating me to have her. She writes these little handwritten notes that she said when she sends books to people or sends oh, anything really? to people. Yes. Did you not? I'm sorry. Did you not get one? <laughs> I don't think so. I would be I shocked mean, if you didn't. Dude. I mean, she, yeah. I usually notice what's in the, the envelope when people send me books, if there's anything extra. Now, I, now I'm like wondering if there's something tucked in there. Carry on. Yes, but no, like multiple people have posted pictures of or to me of the notes that she has sent them with books and stuff just to say thank you because she's just she's so sweet and it's been such a huge change for me to have someone that engaged and awesome as a publicist to be honest with you. I'm all uh, sad. I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to create an awkward <laughs> moment. I just she does I've seen like again multiple people. Maybe she just forgot or it slipped her mind or something, but I'm it, sure she's it's fine. If she's watching this, she's going to feel horrible now. So I really just, I, after praising well, her. Well, you know, so, I yeah. did get, I got an advanced reader's copy or, and I got, um, uh, I got a final copy. And oh, right. so it's possible there's one with the final copy. Like I said, this morning I grabbed two books to bring upstairs <laughs> and I don't know where they went. They're somewhere upstairs, probably. Probably. But, um, I am going to guarantee you that there is a handwritten note with the other cop. That's how confident I feel in okay. Cassidy. Okay. I guarantee you there. Because I forgot you did get two. Because, again, you're fucking, you deserve it. You're Merle Lafferty. You deserve a special bound copy and a finished copy. 
So Aww. I'm sure I'm sure there's one with the finished copy. But yes, Cassidy's great. We do have a new uh, new audience member in chat, Whimsical Sage. I'm new, been listening to the podcast. I should be writing for a few months and loving it. Welcome, Whimsical Sage. This is the Ditch Diggers, where we talk about writing, but we talk about it on more of a business level, and we swear. And I'm yes. with a co-host, my friend Matt Wallace, whose book is out today. Yeah, What's... and I generally get very I generally get very upset when we talk about the craft of writing on this podcast because it's not about that. But I'm trying yes. to work on that. I'm <laughs> really trying cranky. to I'm, I'm trying to work on being being more tolerant. Well, Whimsical Sage would like to ask what your trilogy is about, Matt. That is such a sweet question. Thank you, Whimsical Sage. So, Savage Rebellion trilogy. It's about a. I keep describing it as a self aware epic fantasy story. It started with the idea of like, what if the people designing the world in an epic fantasy had read all the epic fantasy books I grew up reading. Like, what would they keep and what would they change? So it's about this seemingly utopian society that is medieval-ish uh, in design, but also very uh, scientific and very technologically advanced for that kind of society. It seems utopian, but what no one but a few people, and these are the people we follow in the story, realize is that there's a seedy underbelly to the whole thing. It starts with the revelation that there's this thing called the Savage Legion, which is an army of conscripts that they use uh, against all of their enemies. And not only do they conscript prisoners, they conscript dissidents and anybody who speaks out against the state that they want to get rid of. So it's about three uh, women who are in very different parts of this society, all kind of starting to unravel the city underbelly. There it is, Savage Legion. You're, if you're listening to this podcast, you're not seeing what Murr is holding up the first two books, including the gorgeous hardcover of the first book. The other two didn't get hardcovers. We'll talk about that later. But yeah, so that's what it's about. It's about these three women who start unraveling the seedy underbelly of this um, this seemingly utopian society. And uh, yeah, very much inspired by The Wire in that aspect. I, I was like, what if I did The Wire as an epic fantasy? That was my other thought when I started it. So <clears throat> my, my mother says there are strong women characters. There are. Thank you, Mom. Excellent. And I was, raised by, I was raised by a strong woman who's definitely a character. Yes, so you, you were. Yes. Yes. So... I've got a uh, had a chance to meet um, <clears throat> Matt's mom at uh, your wedding. My wedding, yes. I was yeah. like, I'm not, uh, yes, it was my wedding. Yeah. So. Which was a great event. Got married in Vegas at the. Uh, it was. Neon Museum, which is one of the coolest, my one of my favorite museums in the country, to be honest with you, because it's all art that was meant to be disposable that they preserved. And they have very fascinating stories about that. And then we ate at an amazing French restaurant that's not there anymore. And that makes me very sad. Pamplemousse oh. no longer exists. COVID pandemic took them out and they were going to reopen. And then a drunk driver drove through the front of the restaurant just when they were going to reopen. It was super tragic. We were we were crushed. We were absolutely crushed. Wow. I always wonder, <clears> like, <throat> isn't insurance supposed to help out with stuff like that? I'm sure it did, but I think they had already been through so much financially oh. that just the added the added burden of it, they just couldn't recover. And yeah. I mean, we got to know them very well. One of the reasons we, we had the reception there was because we got to know the owners and the staff very well. They were all much older and had been doing it a long time. So I think that was also a factor. They were just kind of at a point where it's like, we just, we can't do this anymore. You know, we're sad, but it's time for us to kind of ride into the, into the sunset. Yeah. Yeah. But, um... So we're going to talk about trilogies, which I'm always fascinated by. Um, just for a bit of backstory, if you're new, <clears throat> excuse me, I have a three-book deal with Ace right now, and Woo! but it's not a trilogy. Right. The books are probably all going to be in the same world, 
but it's not a trilogy because a trilogy has a specific structure. The, the books I'm doing are more of a episodic type thing. They're murder mysteries, so you've got a you got you set the you set the scene, you set the space station, and then you've got your sleuth, and then you've got a murder, and then the next ga- next book, well, we haven't done any sort of large buildup of a world or a grand uh, conflict. It's just another murder. I mean, I tend to think it's a good murder. I'm proud of it, but um, it was interesting because. But I'm still fascinated by trilogies because I've never written one. So that is very true. Tell me about that. <laughs> tell you about it. Tell me about it, it. I just, it feels so weird you asking me to educate you because you're way smarter than I am. Um, no, but you know what's really interesting to that about that is because we pre- Uh-oh. planned this. We're always going to talk about during this book launch. And I was like, we should talk about the economy and the business of trilogies because I just wrote one that seemed like a nice little ditch diggers tie to the whole thing. And when I when I said that, I was like, well, you know, Mer and I have both written trilogies. And then I was like, but no, you actually haven't done. You've done series. Mm-hmm. You've certainly done books in a series. But it's wild to me just now sitting here realizing. I mean, this is the first trilogy I've done. Like this is my first epic fantasy trilogy. It's also my first trilogy. I did the Sindajur series, but those were like urban fantasy novellas. So this was my first novel trilogy that I just completed today, which I guess makes it kind of a big deal. But yeah, uh, no, it's 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 wild, and we should also. Uh, to circle back and talk about some of the experiences you've had writing series too that did not become trilogies. I find that very interesting as well. But yes, writing trilogies. Uh, in theory, awesome idea. Um, I wanted to do it just because... I wanted to do it just... I wanted to do it for two reasons when I first started. I wanted to do it because I wanted to write my big, sprawling epic fantasy series because i grew up reading big sprawling epic fantasy series i didn't want to i mean i say this like i say i I didn't want to write one that was like 20 books and just never stopped like that didn't appeal to me if these had been massive successes and they wanted to pay me to keep doing it i would have absolutely done that though i i'm not going to bullshit about that i would have written 50 of these if the money was there because i'm also a professional but I like the idea creatively didn't appeal to me. So I'm like, instead of planning a seven, nine, 20 book series, I'm going to plan it to be a trilogy. And that'll be my big sprawling epic fantasy series. So even if I never get to write another epic fantasy again, I can say I got to do my take on epic fantasy. The reason I wanted to do that is because then they pay you for three books instead of one, which is very appealing uh, to an author who's trying to make money uh, writing books. And that's why it is super bugs me when people talk about, I miss standalone books. Why does everything have to be a series? I'd like to see more standalone books. I love standalone books. If they want authors more to write them, there'd be a lot more standalone books. So that is also another reason that series are appealing to us. And I, this is the things we talk about the podcast. So I want to be honest about that. But that's where it started. It started with, I want to do my big take on an epic fantasy series. I'll make it a trilogy because I don't want to write 20 books. And I'll do it because then they'll pay me for three books to sell instead of one. So those seemed like great reasons. And it started out wonderful. First book went out. Uh, we were very fortunate to get like a bunch of author uh, offers from a bunch of different publishers. We ended up deciding on Saga, who signed me for three books. Uh, and that was Nava Wolf, who's an amazing editor. And I was super excited to work with her. And everything, uh, everything was looking hunky-dory and fantastic and lead title-ish and big hardcover release. And then, you know, after that, things 
went, there you go. It's the big Murr's holding up the fancy. And that's a beautiful book, by the way. They did an amazing job on the oh, hardcover. Yeah. I love I love that hardcover. After that, things went astray a little bit. And it was a very muddled journey to get to where we are today, actually finishing the series with Savage Crowns. So, um, and we can dig in that a little deeper, but that's the preamble. That's the setup to the whole thing. So I hope that kind of answered the question that you were asking. No. I don't know if it did or not. No, it did. No, no. <laughs> actually, my question had to do a little bit with craft. Oh, so we want to talk about craft. I want to talk a little bit about how you plan a trilogy because I am I am a pantser and the idea of planning a trilogy just scares the hell out of me. No, absolutely. We can totally talk about that. So the thing is, I I am I am too. Um I'm all about big beats. You know, I like to I like to know what my big beats are going to be and then I feel like I can sort of freestyle around that. But it gives me an anchor. So I didn't have the whole thing planned out uh when I started and when I when I finished the first book. I knew what, like, I kind of wanted the big beats going forward to be kind of my big middle Empire Strikes Back beats and then, like, my big, you know, finale finishing beats. But all of the details and stuff, I really just, I like to, I hate to use the word organic, but I can't think of a better one right now. I like it to be organic. I like to, I like to grow with the writing. I, I, I feel like I'm one of those people who feels like if you're locked into an outline, it takes a lot of the energy away from it, a lot of the spontaneity away from it. And you can feel that when you read the writing. I really do think that's true. I really do believe there there's an energy to fiction that translates from author to reader experience. Um, and no matter how, and the thing is, it doesn't matter how well something is written, if it lacks that energy, it just falls very flat for me. So for me to like have to, I, I, it's just, this is just me talking, but I feel like to have that energy um, I need the room to just let the story kind of do its own thing. And I need the room to kind of free form and improvise and just kind of go where, wherever it takes me. But at the same time, it can be very scary to do that, not knowing where you're going when you're planning a big long series. So it helped me to know, okay, these are the signposts I want to hit along the way. So that's kind of how I went about it in, in broad strokes. Did you have any regret retcon feelings in book three? No, no. I mean, <laughs> I have regrets, but, we're talking about craft right now. Um, creatively, I mean, I do. I have some creative regrets too, honestly. We can get into that a little later. What I was not in the way you're talking about because I I let I allowed my I gave myself permission for things to change as I went along. Like even though I had those big beats, some of those did change too, especially in the in the last book because originally I pictured all the like I don't want to give away too many spoilers. Um, and I'll try. My original vision for the book was was a little, even though I wanted to like, you know, turn tropes upside down, have a fantasy tropes upside down in this, because I had all that hardwiring from all the Eva fantasy I grew up with. I'm like, I have these three protagonists in these very different parts of the world in the story who are all kind of accruing powers. They go along, so obviously in the finale, they're all going to have to fight each other, right? Like it's going to. And as the series went along and as I grew with it, I just kind of realized I didn't want to do that. Like I wanted them to be friends. <laughs> like I wanted them all to get on the same page in the end. So that was a huge change from my original conception of the story. And I'm super glad I did that. I'm really, really glad that I decided not to have them all do a Game of Thrones vying for the... And that was honestly where I came up with the title. So I really should have changed the title because it really doesn't even fit anymore. Because it's not it's not about the crown thing anymore. But I'm really glad I did that. And that was that was the hugest change. And that's the reason I don't have like FOMO or regret about the last book now, because I'm really happy that 
I made it a story about the power of friendship. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so you've mentioned, you've alluded to quite a number of things that we're going to talk about <laughs> later. How about we say now is later? Yeah, and, now uh, is later. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the letdowns or? Uh, I mean, you want you had a question you wanted to ask me and we talked about yeah. it before the show started and you actually said you weren't sure you wanted to ask me it because it's so heavy and you didn't feel like it might be the right time to ask me it. Yes, I did. But you said but... go ahead and you're still saying go ahead. I'm saying go ahead. I think now is the perfect time to talk about it. Okay, so I'm coming from the point of view of I had a book come out in uh, the mid-teens and it did fairly well. It got a lot of award um, attention, nominations, and then I did a couple of IP works and then I came out with another similar genre story. And um, this is the one I have the three book deal for. And the first book in that series came out and while it has not had it has not been poor um it certainly hasn't gotten the attention that the first book did the the right. non-connect six wakes is what it's called i'm, I'm yes. trying to say that as if we have listeners out there who <laughs> don't know anyway um so it's similar genre but completely different worlds and so when i when i sat down to write book two i'm like well i can't try to hit it out of the park again because it's a second book. Even though I'm, it's a standalone, it's still a second book. And so if somebody right. read the first book and didn't like it, they're not going to pick up the seventh, second book. That is just complete series attrition that, you know, is, is a fact in right. publishing. So um, I know you'd had your, your disappointments with the book, the fact that the it started hardcover and then went to paperback for the subsequent um, uh, uh, books was one thing. And so right. my, my question, which is kind of rude, but it's, I'm asking it to myself too, which is how do you write the next book of something that you're kind of disappointed how it did in the first place? No. And that's, it's not a rude question at all. It's a very good and important question. And, I've, and a lot of authors are going to deal with this if they, if they do what we do, because it's very hard to sell books. So I don't think it's rude at all. I think it's exactly the kind of thing we should talk about. So there's the thing, man. I, I love the story. I love this series. Um, I'm grateful and really happy that I got to the end of it. I'm grateful to everyone who has read it. Loved it because there are a lot of people who really love the series and let me know that, and they they've kept me going more than anything. But the professional publishing side of doing this series was incredibly uh, difficult for me, um, and it wasn't just you know commercial disappointment like it didn't sell well, like it hasn't sold well, but it just it's been a whole thing. Like I mentioned, Nava Wolf was the one who bought the series. It was a big big reason that we decided to go with Saga Press quite honestly, because I loved Nava's work. She's an amazing editor. She's the best editor I've ever had, just hands down. And, you know, I'll, and to get really gritty and really honest, and I won't get into numbers, but like we had more money. Uh, we had offers for more money from other publishers. Nava was really the reason that we went with Saga and took kind of a lower offer to do it. Um, and when we did that, I didn't regret it at all. Nava and I worked on Savage Legion, the first book, she pushed me harder and farther than any editor ever has and made the book 10 times better than it would have been without her. And I, I love how the first book uh, came out because of that. Like it was a really big, it just like, it made me feel smart for taking that deal because of how good I thought the book came out with Nava. 
as soon as we finished editing the first one, I turned in the first draft of the second one. It was a very rough draft, but I did it because I'm like, well, I want Nava to read it and tear it apart and help me make it better. So it's okay if it's a little rougher than my drafts usually are. Nava uh, parted ways from Saga right after that. And under very dubious circumstances, it's not my story to tell or get into, so I won't. It's her story. But Nava had to leave. And well, I know it was a lot of authors fault. who were yeah. affected by that. And they were no, I'm, very I'm still friends with a lot of them. Unhappy yeah. about that, so yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it did, it was devastating. It really, it was absolutely devastating to me and to everyone else because Nava was not only an amazing editor, um, she was the champion for your book at that publisher. Mm-hmm. And I, we, we've talked about it on the show before, and it's one of the things that taught me the lesson of your editor is not only the person who helps you make the book good. good they are the person who's going to champion you at that publisher. And sometimes they're going to be the only champion you have. They're a very important person to the future of you, you and your book at that publisher. And you need to, t- and you need to take that into account when you make these kinds of decisions. Uh, sadly, what we found out after Nava left was Nava was kind of the only champion we had there. And, and everything that was getting done for our books was getting done because Nava pushed very hard for it. And after she left, uh, my series in particular basically got orphans. Uh, the first draft of my second book sat on a shelf for uh, 14 months unedited and untouched and just basically ignored and i've been through two and a half editors since then um you know with people changing over and stuff and it just never really found a home within the publisher again and you know the problem with that is that then and then you know the fucking pandemic happened so (laughs) it was kind of a double it was a really nice double whammy uh nava left and i got orphaned and then the book, my first book was slated, the Savage Legion was slated to come out in 2020, and then boom, pandemic, lockdown. So it was just, it got buried, man. There's just no, there's no other way around it. And here's the thing. I'm not saying if conditions had been perfect, it would have been a giant bestseller and I'd be the next George R. R. Martin or any of that stuff. Like, but I know the book would have had a better chance if, if those conditions had not been in place. I do know that. I think it would have done a lot better than it did. So... All of that happened. And, you know, we, we made the deal in 2018, I think. So, you know, we're sitting here seven years later since we made the first deal, which, you know, in terms of a fantasy trilogy, isn't that long in the space. Like, right. the series definitely take longer. But you also have to understand the original plan was for one book to come out exactly a year after the other. So it really, it really wasn't supposed to be a long turnaround time between the books. And then here we are. So... By the time I got to the third book, I was really burned out, man. I was really, I was really depressed, to be honest with you. After the second book in particular, I went into a really, really hard depression spiral for a long time about the state of my career. I'd worked really hard and really long just to get to that point. And even knowing everything I know, you know, a book isn't a career. I know that. I preach that to other people. You have to look at the long term. You look at like the Martha Wells's of the world. Mm -hmm. Like it can take a, it can take a long time. For your for your book to hit and you got to stay at it and persistence and all that and i preach it but like within that it's it's still like i, I don't want anybody to feel like it's not okay to be bummed about this shit. like it is dude like i'm not it's very hard for me to write long form to begin with savage legion took a long time for me to do it was years of my life we sold it it was supposed to be a lead title big hardcover release everything was going great and then it just fucking train wrecked and went to shit. And then the rest of the series went to shit because of that. And then, like, I was writing middle grade books that came out during the pandemic, and those didn't sell. So I was just feeling very bad about everything. 
So by the time I get to the writing of the third book, yes, thank you. The Supervillain's Guide to Being a Fat Kid and Bump. I'm very proud of both those books. They're fantastic. My publisher on those is amazing, and they they do everything for them. But middle grade is one of those genres that just took probably the biggest hit during the pandemic, yeah. honestly. Because nobody buys digital when where middle grade is concerned. And it's driven through schools and libraries, and those shut down. So my book, my first middle grade book came out January of 2021. Like, just the timing... The timing of all of these things could not have been worse. Um, so yeah, man, the last book, my enthusiasm was really buried. It was very, very hard for me to to finish writing the trilogy. And I'm and the thing and, and I didn't have Nava either. Like I really feel the last two books were severely underedited. And I'm someone who needs that help, man. Like and it's, it, there's no shame in admitting that you can't do everything by yourself. Oh, yeah. Editors are important. They're there for a reason. They help. They help you make shit better. And I just know that both of the books would have been a lot better if I'd had Nava, and I didn't. So I, you know, I have a huge complex about the last two books emotionally. My wife tells me I'm being way too hard on myself and that they're really good and they came out fine and all that. And I believe her intellectually, but emotionally, it's just very hard. And I even have a complex about the length, man. This is how neurotic like writers get. Like you see how like they descend in thickness as you go down. Most of the time in an epic fantasy series, the last book is way huger than the first book. You know, if you look at like the Max Gladstones, the Fondalees of the world, both of whom I'm a huge fan of, by the time they get to the last book in their series, it's a huge tome. And like my last book is is much shorter than, than the first. And the fucked up thing about that is like, I really, I did that intentionally. Like personally for me, I feel like you get the heavy lift world building done early and then you can focus on the story and the characters yeah. so like i wanted them i wanted them to run leaner and run tighter as the books went on i didn't want them to be thousand page slogs because like it's very hard to do that like fonda did that and i love fonda's work it's a hard thing to do for me as a reader it's a hard thing like you really have to be good to get me to read a fucking thousand page book and i know not everybody is like that but that's how i am so i'm like i'm the one writing this series i want to write it for people like me who okay, we know what world we're in. I don't want to add 20 million new characters in each book and take the focus away from the people that you've really come to know and love, hopefully. I just want to focus on telling the story of the peoples. So intellectually, I plan for this to happen, but then I look at them and the back of my neurotic writer brain that's been traumatized by this whole process goes, did that happen because you were just burned out writing them and you just couldn't come up with more shit? Like, that's what I think in my head. It's very, it's very, like, I grapple with that a lot. It's just, it's a fucked up thing. So... All of that is to say that when I came, when we come to today, to the release of Savage Ground and the end of my trilogy, the question you're asking is a very relevant question because my enthusiasm um, was really dead. And to be honest with you, when I was thinking about the release of this book, I was just kind of like, you know, I just kind of want to let it pass. I don't want to try to make a big deal out of it because it's not. Tweet about it and the people who really engage with me and like it, I can commiserate with them and that's fine. But, like, I just don't see any reason to try to do anything else at this stage because I feel like it's going to be wasted time. Like, that's really where I was. It's like, I don't want to set up a bunch of events and put a bunch of time into doing promotion. I don't think it's going to make a difference because I've seen the sales so far. I know the kind of support I'm getting from the publisher. I've been in this business a long time. I know what makes a difference and what doesn't. And it's just not worth it. So that was a place I'd really come to and tried to and try to be okay with that. I tried to tell myself the the biggest part of this is going to be relief. You're going to feel relief that you're done. You're going to be done with the series. You've written it. You're going to be done with this publisher that you do not enjoy working with. We can just move on. Like, that's going to be the biggest emotion of the day. It's going to be relief. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that.
And those books will always be there. You know, they'll always be in your back catalog. You know, if you do something else bigger, people can go back and rediscover them. These are the things I was telling myself. So I did, but I, then I got kind of <laughs> blessed and cursed at the same time because Saga hired a new publicist right when I, we were gearing up to do the release, uh, Cassidy uh, Sattler. And Cassidy is just amazing. Cassidy, all of a sudden, I had gone from feeling, and, and I had gone through as many publicists as I had editors on these books. Every single book, I feel like they had a new publicist or a new publicity team working on it. And they were all, whether it was through no, no fault of their own or not, because the thing with publicists and publishing is they're horribly overworked. They have very limited resources to work with most of the time. Most of them are doing the best they can with what they have to work with. They just don't have a lot to work with. Whatever the case was through the life of this series, like the publicity had just been, it had been nil. It had been negligible. Like my publisher would tweet about my book once on publishing day and then nothing. I would stop hearing from them. That's the truth. Like it's it's the truth, man. Like I would go back and look at my emails and I'd be like, yeah, I stopped getting emails from them right after that day. It was just done. Uh, so I thought that was going to be the scenario with this third book. So that was where I was like, I don't, there's no point in doing this. Then Cassidy comes along and she's like on it, man. She's the publicist you want for a book. She's communicative. She's out there doing everything, having ideas, reaching out to everybody, setting up podcast appearances, sending it to everybody she can send it to, setting up blog tours, just setting up everything she can do. So I was like sort of forced to re-engage and reinvest in this process against my will. So I'm simultaneously grateful to Cassidy, but also resent her deeply. Um, <laughs> not, not really. I'm, I'm grateful. It's always, listen, it's always better to have the stuff than to not have it. Yes, I'm, indeed. I'm, I'm still realistic about things. I didn't think just because she was into it that we were going to suddenly break the ship and all of a sudden the last book would, they'd all start selling really well. I don't think that's going to happen, but I know they're going to do better because Cassidy is good at her job and really, really tried. You know, she really was focused on, okay, it's a whole trilogy now. Let's send out the whole trilogy to everybody. Let's make sure people focus on this book is coming out, but all these books are out and they're great. If you haven't read them yet, go get them. That shit really helps. Like she knew the job, she knows the job and she really made this whole thing a lot better than it would have been. So I had to consciously make the decision like, all right, Cassidy's on board, last book coming out. It's the last book of my trilogy. I'm gonna re-engage. I'm gonna I'm gonna do everything I can do to help her. If she's up for, if she's up for the gig, she's working every day to do it. The least I can do is participate and do everything I can do. Because that's all I'm ever. That's all anyone is ever looking for from a publisher is that they just do the best they can do for your book, right? That's all yeah. I'm looking for. And considering the sales track of my book and where I'm at with the series, Cassidy has done everything within that's been in her power to do to try to get it out there and make it a success. And I can't ask for more than that. So I was like. All right, so I told her I'm down. Set up all the appearances you can set up. Go shake my ass with the tips. Like, whatever you need from me, you need guest posts, you need essays, whatever it is, I'm here to do it. And it's been exhausting because those muscles had atrophied from not promoting these books for five, for four or five years, but it was totally worth it. And it it all made today uh, better for me emotionally. It made me feel like, it made me care about the commercial side of things. Like before I was just focusing on the creative side of things, like I finished the story and that's gotta be enough for me and it's that's gotta be fulfilling enough. But now I'm actually, I'm excited that the book is out and out in the world. And I'm excited that more people might read the trilogy than have before, you know, pick them up now. 
And while I'm still, again, I'm a, I'm a realist about the potential for that commercially, it's a cool thing. It's just a cool thing. I'm not sitting here expecting, all right, we're going to break late in the game and this is going to be huge now and we can finally get them on lists and all that shit. I'm just happy that they have a better shot than they've had before. So I don't even know if that's a helpful answer to what we're talking about here. How no, do you deal it with is. It is. Yeah, I think but, yeah. um, <laughs> first I have to do a tiny little um, uh, uh, side comment my my editor left um my previous publisher mm. after the book was turned in and completely edited it and i think mm -hmm. that is why her hand in it has got to be one of the biggest reasons it got all the nominations it did she's phenomenal um but then when it came time for award season someone from the publisher posted hey these are all the eligible novels that came out last year and mine wasn't in there and someone mm. pointed that out and the person said oh i didn't know books that got published in january were eligible oh come on yeah and i'm like but that's part of last year it, it's it, it it's not just a a, a test month it's not a trial month to see if you like the year or not so so I, I get it. I get it. It was it was, it was a little strange. Um, but I don't get it. I say we go find them and kick their ass right now. I'm down. Let's go. We're moving on. We're adults. Okay. We're moving I'm on. I'm speaking in the royal we, I suppose. Um, but what yeah. I want to say is just in case anybody has doubts, I talk about this a lot on my other podcast. Um, yes, it, 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 it is possible that you can, of course, get so down and depressed that, that it's going to affect your writing. But other times you can believe that your situation is bad or the books are bad. But if you're a pro writer like Matt is, then <laughs> I'm betting that the work does not show that in, in that, that, you know, you were talking about being, being dissatisfied and, right. and unhappy with that. And I just want to reiterate that, that, you're still an amazing writer, and the books show that. I mean, thank you, dude. That that means a lot coming from because you. I, I, they, yeah. Well, I'm I sorry, try to tell people on the show. It's like, um, on I should be writing, which is you. You have days where you think what I'm writing is garbage, and then you have days where you think I am brilliant, and then <laughs> you know when you're done and you look at the book, you probably can't point out which parts you wrote that were the good days and which were the bad days. So. It's like there's right. there's the emotions on one level, and then there's the actual work that you've done that reflect all of your experience and your talent and your tenacity. Uh, grit, I believe they call it. The three or T's. Moxie. Or, or two, T, two T's and a G and an M, I guess. What? Uh, no, I... <laughs> I'm just... No, I'm just... Uh... It hum, it hum, you're humbling me right now. But no, uh, empirically, me as a specific example aside, you're absolutely right. And even me, I mean, dude, like I, before Nikki, my wife, because she, she's the first one to read all my stuff generally. Um, before she read Savage Bounty, the second book, I spent a year burying this book to her. I was just like, this is terrible. Everything I'm doing is terrible. I hate this. 
it's garbage compared to the first book, especially going through the non-editing process of the second book. I was just like, everyone's going to see I'm a fraud when this thing comes out. Like, I just buried this book to her as hard as harder than I've ever buried anything I've written to her. Wow. Because, again, I, I was just in a huge depression spiral about the whole thing. Then she finally reads it and she literally hits me in the head with it. And she's like, what the fuck were you talking about? This is great. And the thing you have to know about Nikki is she would not. Nikki is the <laughs> Nikki is someone who has read something I've spent months working on and then looked at me and with all the love in her heart gone, this sucks. You need to, <laughs> you need to fix it. That's Nikki. And that's what I expect. And that's why I married her. Nikki is a badass and I love her. Nikki is a badass. She never, she, and she will work with me. She helps me on my stuff a lot. She'll work with me to help, but she's unfailingly honest about my stuff. And she was genuinely just flabbergasted and angry with me for how I buried this book to her after she read it. She's like, I actually, she told me, I love the pacing in this way more than the first book that you wrote. Like she, she just really loved it. And and that was the thing that kind of made me go, yeah, I realized now, and I started to kind of, that's when I started to kind of climb out of the depression spiral, when I just realized I'm doing most of this to myself at this point, and I need to, and I need to stop that. So, no, what you're saying is absolutely true. No one, and I, and you know, I've said this to other people a million times, like no one will be harder on your work than you will be on it. You know, it's one of the reasons external criticism doesn't bother me like i you can't give me a review that will make me feel bad anymore because you will never hate my work more than i have hated my work it's not physically possible but even knowing that you still you can still get caught in that trap of of feeling depressed about it and just feeling like you're not doing a good job even if someone who reads it cannot tell the difference so that is it's a very salient point and i appreciate you making it and well, also, man, you. it's it's your book launch day, and we do want this thing to sell. And I did. No, that, that was another reason why I hesitated to ask the question. I get it. I didn't I get want it. it to sound like the book was the. I still think you're an amazing writer, and I know you went through all that, but I still think that you delivered something that was amazing. I really appreciate that. I did try. I tried to preface that by saying creatively how I feel about the books before I started, just absolutely being. And the other thing, dude, is like, I don't want to, we we didn't win a Hugo Award, which we did, but we didn't win a Hugo <laughs> Award for sugarcoating things on this podcast. That's so true. I wanted to be real about things, because this shit's important, and this is the stuff, you know, that nobody talks about when you're in a writing workshop, and, you know, you're talking about character and motivation and whatnot. Nobody prepares you for, listen, they're going to throw your editor under a bus, and then you're going to have no one, and you're going to be orphaned, and no one's going to give a shit about your books at your own publisher. Yeah. Nobody tells you how to handle that. Yeah. No one tells you how to handle that. Like, it's can this we... is important shit, so. But, dude, can we I, tell them I, how to handle that? Because you and no, I both can't. have gone through it, and it sucked. <laughs> Right. No, it did. And here's no, that's the thing. It's like I I can't. Uh but I we can at least be honest and prepare you for these eventualities and give and just give you a frame of reference and let you know you're not alone. That's the yeah. thing cuz like you you're going through all these things and like you're on Twitter following all your author friends and they're all they all seem to be doing great cuz everybody seems to be doing great mm-hmm. on Twitter. And you start to feel like you're just shit and this is happening because your books are shit and you're a shit writer. Yeah, because if not, your book was really yeah. good, the publisher would recognize that and give you somebody yeah. n- somebody good and new who cared about your book, even though they took the last person <laughs> who thought it was good and new and, and cared about the book and fired them. But yeah. um, it's, it's, it, it is true, it, it, and it's a, a cold water splashed on the thought of, if I can just get that book contract, I'm there. And... Mm-hmm. It is, that is a big, big milestone. 
It's huge. It is. Not to be not to be taken lightly or taken away as an accomplishment, but it is only the beginning of the next phase of yeah. what is hopefully your career. And that's that's the part that we leave new writers out in the cold in a lot. And that's one of the whole reasons we do this fucking show in the first place. Yeah. Because not enough not enough people talk about this stuff. Yeah. So, Tobias Bakel yeah. um did uh I think I had him on I Should Be Writing talking about this. Um, he was talking about how you kind of feel like you're an author's career is you start at the bottom and then you just go up, 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 up. And uh, Toby's like, no, it's more like the stock market. It's going to go up and then you're going to dip and yep. then it's going to go up and then you're going to dip. And um, I think, you know, you mentioned Martha Wells is uh, <laughs> somebody told me they read this this debut this amazing book about a murder bot that a new author, Martha, Martha Wells, had come out with, thinking oh that the murder bot was her first book. And, right. No, uh, and and the way the industry is structured and the way the public consciousness is structured, you can't even really blame it for it, honestly. No, That's, no, you can't. Yeah. But it was not her first book. Murder bot pretty, no. pretty much reinvigorated her career with a fire yeah. hotter than a thousand suns. But and, that, um, and she absolutely deserves it. Absolutely. No, her. You know, it's so. It's so interesting because, like, I, I, you know, one of the many angry Twitter threads I've written over the years on the subject, a while back, uh, Martha's lovely husband replied to one of them. And oh. I did not know, I did not know who he was, but he told this very love, very a brilliant storyteller in his own right. He told this lovely story about I am married to an author and she wrote all these books and then she hit this roadblock in her career and her publisher orphaned her. And she didn't have an agent. It took her two years to write something new. And then eventually, but she stuck with it. And eventually she wrote this new book called Murderbot that completely changed our lives. And and that's, and it was just so amazing because I didn't know who he was talking about until he got to that part. Then I was like, oh my God, that's Martha Wells' story. And it made in me, I've put many times since because like it actually really helped me at the time to hear that story. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, and the thing is, that's so much closer to what most authors are going to experience if they keep at this than the idea of I write a book, it becomes a bestseller, and then I have an amazing career. That's such that's such the minority case when it, when you're talking yeah. about publishing and, and writing books professionally. Or even if you if you write a book and it does well, and the next book's yeah. going to do better, and the next one's exactly. going to do even better, and yeah, and then it doesn't. No, that doesn't always happen. Um, yeah, it's it's. Yeah, that's that's why we call it ditch diggers because sometimes you don't want to fucking go to work. Exactly. And... Sometimes it feels like that. Sometimes it feels like digging a hole in the earth endlessly for reasons you can't even fathom and are not going to benefit from. Yeah. So writing, yay. So writing, yay. No, look, man. Here's the thing. I I do want to be honest, and I did want to talk about all this stuff. Yes. But the really the point you should take from this overall is like, I came through all that. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm here. I'm here. The last book is out today. I finished my trilogy. I'm super happy about that. And, you know, like, despite everything, Cassidy came along and, and has tried to give the, the books as much new life as you can. Like, you do have to, you know, you do have to stick with it to a certain to a certain point, you know, because the other the other side of that point, the other side of that coin is like, sometimes persistence isn't the answer. And we don't talk enough about that either. Um, That's but, true. But that that it, that yeah. counters my first podcast, and so then I'm just like two <laughs> podcasts punching at each other. Dude, it's just such a it's so it's 
it's such a nuanced thing and everybody is different that's that's the problem is this is such an individualistic thing it's one of the reasons we can't have a union because we're all so separate and compartmentalized from each other um but yeah sometimes you do need to stay the course and then other times like it's bad for your mental health and unsustainable to do it and you actually do need to quit and it's just hard to know when that is what i i will say for me to the end is i am happy that i stuck with it it was the right thing to do for me um you know i i dude i hit a point i hit a point in the series where i was hoping they would just cancel it so i didn't have to deal with this anymore like i wanted my own series to be canceled so that I just didn't have to deal with feeling this way anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a terrible place to be at. You know, I remember I remember Cameron Hurley talking about how her series got canceled and didn't come out, but they paid her out the rest of it. And I'm like fantasizing about that <laughs> happening to me. That's how, because I was in such a bad place. I'm really happy it didn't get canceled. I'm really happy the last book came out. And happy I was able to kind of navigate that very difficult emotional professional time to get to this point. And the other thing is, you know, it, it has not sold well, but it has sold and people have read it and they do love it. And I'm glad I got to finish that story for them. Yeah. You know, it would really have sucked for the people who actually really like these books if I didn't get to finish it. And, you know, I lost sight of that for a long time. And I've talked a little about that, too. It's like when we say when you say no one is reading your book, what you really mean is not enough people are reading my book to satisfy me emotionally, financially, whatever it is. Yeah. Because it's never no one is reading your book. It's just you have to to really make a bunch of money or listen do all this other stuff. You just have to have this critical mass of people. And what you're saying is I haven't built that critical mass yet. But there are people out there who fucking love these books. And that's an mm-hmm. amazing thing, man. If like you, if one per- like I know it sounds cheesy and contrite and corny, and it's not a way to sustain a career. <laughs> but if but if one person reads your book and is seriously moved by it or life is by it even a little bit or like you know they read it during chemo like i've had multiple mm-hmm. people tell me that and that's it just fucking blows my mind that that's a thing but like i'm grateful for that and it made it it makes it worth doing and going through the trouble of writing it and publishing it and dealing with all the bullshit you do in publishing so that's something to not lose sight of or to dismiss or be reductive of or take for granted and that's part of what helped get me through all the bad parts mm-hmm. of, of doing this and why and why i'm happy today instead of sad that's the thing i'm happy today i know that's that might have been hard to glean from everything i've said but i'm very happy today to to be at the end of this thing and to see this become my hold this whole trilogy in my hand that i wrote that got published it's it's a very cool thing so you know they're all they're all kinds of different ways to find your enthusiasm when it's waning you know you gotta if you don't if you're not lucky enough to get a new publicist who reinvigorates you for the series you got to kind of tweak your own on it, you know, and that's something I had worked on even before Cassidy came on. I had to look at it from a different way, you know, because my my big hopes were I finally with a big publisher with a lead title first in my series. I want this to sell really well and I want it to make bestseller lists and I want it to kickstart this whole new phase of my career. That didn't happen. And I focused so much on that that it devastated me and made me really uh, depressed. And there were, you know, other factors that were happening that were not cool. You know, it's not like I was creating the whole situation myself. But eventually I had to get to a place where I tweaked my perspective and was like, okay, that didn't happen, but here's all the cool shit that did happen and it is happening and will be true because of these books. And I need to I need to realize that all of that is valid and worthwhile too. Yeah. So, and it's really yeah. hard to put your hopes and dreams on 
things that are in other people's control. Yeah. And, you know, you can, you can write the books and you can do as much campaigning for the books that mm-hmm. you can do. Um, but really, it's like the whole bestseller thing, the movie options, the awards, they're all <laughs> out of your hands. It is. And that's, a, oh my God, that's such a good, that's such a good and important point to make. And something that we also don't tell enough new authors that you kind of, and some of them, some people never learn it, which is really fucked up. But no, it's like, it's purely mathematically, people have done the research and gotten grants to study the statistics. True. That you have very little, if no outcome on how your book does, no matter what you do most of the time. If you're one of the fortunate authors who has a massive giant platform before they do a book that can help. But -hmm. for the average person who doesn't have that, you can get out there and dance on tables as much as you possibly can. And really it's not going to have any outcome on it. It's going to come down to the resources and the amount of those resources and time that your publisher puts behind promoting your book. Like that's, that's it. That's all there is. And you have no control over that either. So, yeah, you know, you get into this mindset of like, it's so crazy because I don't say crazy because it's not cool, but like, it's so bananas to me that um, you, when a book, when your book comes out and it doesn't do well, you tend to think of it like, man, my publisher went door to door to every person who reads a book in the world and offered them this book. And all of those people said, no, yeah. like that's how, that's how you think of it. When the truth is when your book fails, it is unmitigatedly because most people who read books have no idea your book exists. Yeah. No one has said no to your book. They don't even fucking know it's out there. Like that's the truth most of the time. And we just, we tend to focus on the other, that first part, which is ludicrous. Like that's not a thing that happens. So it's tough, man. It's a very internalized personal thing. And I mean, the way the industry and the public views things also doesn't help either. I did I did a thread on this a while ago. It's just that idea of like, no one ever blames the publisher when a book fails. Yeah. It's always the it's always the author's fault. It's always your book wasn't good enough. You're not good enough. That's why it failed. No one ever talks about well, what did the publisher actually do to promote it? No one talks about that. And it's really it's really fucked up that that's that's how we're hardwired and that's the kind of mentality we approach things with. Well, it's because you but, know the face behind the book. You yeah, can point to right. that person. You don't know that asshole in marketing who cut my budget. You, you, can't, <laughs> you don't know that. And you yeah, don't you don't know, know the, the you the, don't know the CEO. You can't go give the CEO shit. So yeah, do you, you know. do you blame the publisher who fired your editor and gave you a new one, or do you? Blame the new editor who just didn't do their job as well as you thought. I mean, there's just so much going on in that behind-the-curtain publishing thing that the author's yeah. easier to blame. We're always the easiest to especially when we're out front. You know, it's like yeah. everybody blaming Chuck Wendig for the, the archive thing failing. You know, nobody has access to the CEOs who actually did that. So, like, but Chuck's online. Let's go give him shit. Mm-hmm. It just... It's really, it's a, it's a terrible, it's a terrible thing. And it, that, that's what makes that engagement such a, such a double-edged sword. But yeah, man, you gotta, the bullet point here is fucking cut yourself some slack, bro. You know, you like, you, you did your job. You wrote the book. Your only job is to write the book the best you can. That's your only job. All this other shit that they make you feel like you have to do is not your job. You, you don't, you shouldn't have to be good at it. You shouldn't have to be good at marketing and promotion. It's not your job. Yeah. Like, but it's just... It's become such an expected, taken for granted part of the culture of publishing that no one stops to realize, oh, wait, I did my job already. I should be done. Why aren't you guys doing your fucking job? You didn't write the book. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah. So cut yourself some slack. Realize realize everything we just said and, and cut yourself some slack when things don't go, when things don't go well. Yeah. A lot of publishers have the questionnaire. They <laughs> s- 
<laughs> yeah, Matt knows what I'm talking about. It's a questionnaire that, that lists basically everything that you know or can do to help promote the book, including yeah. like what major people in media do you know that you can contact to say, review my book, please. And, uh, you know, th things like that. It's, just, and, it's so dumb. It's like someone, it's like them basically asking, so do you know Kanye West? I mean, <laughs> not Kanye West. He's just the first person I thought of, but they're literally like, do you know, any famous people, can they talk about the book? Mm -hmm. And it's not, the thing is, that's not a, the wrong kind of attitude thing to be thinking. Like, let's get famous people to promote your book, but it's just, you got to understand they really are putting it all on you. They're not going out and finding any famous people. They're just like, well, do you know any famous people? Yeah. And you go, no. And then that's the end of the conversation. But they're like, okay, well, then famous people are going to talk about your book then because you don't know anybody. Well, Which here's, is, here's, yeah. But the, the, the tangent to that is maybe you do know famous people. And maybe you don't want to go up to your friends and say, right. hey, can I <laughs> exploit your following for yeah. my own benefit? But I really yeah. like you for who you are, I promise. Right. That's, yeah, that's the other side. If you do happen to know some well-known people. I mean, I remember I, when uh, I had uh, a workshop with Cory Doctorow. I went to the Viable Paradise workshop. That's Viable with a V. Everyone hears Bible Paradise when I say that. It's a Viable Paradise. It's a wonderful workshop. But Cory Doctorow was, um, was teaching at it, and he was uh, one of the major editors of Boing Boing at the time. And he was telling telling us how he hated it when his friends would send them would send him something to go on boing boing that was like directly like just send yeah. him an email and say hey can you put this on boing boing when uh you know Corey's a very very organized guy he's the kind of person mm -hmm. that answers every email when it comes um and and you know he needs the things to, he wants the things to go through the proper channels and, um, you know, I always remembered that because I, you know, I, I like to say Corey's my friend and I never want, would never want to ask him for, I mean, yeah, the, the furthest you go is to ask somebody for a blurb, you yeah. know, it's, it's, and that's hard even enough. That, I was going to say, even that is excruciating and I hate it. Yeah. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. But it's it's awful. And one of the reasons it's awful, honestly, is because we all know so many authors, and we all need the same kind of help. And you mm -hmm. just you hate you hate putting more on your author friends. Like yeah. it's just it's so bad. But yeah, yeah you got a, you've got a book that you haven't read for a blurb, and then you're just like, hey, who's gonna blurb my book? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's oh, true. Man. The kids are asleep. Says asking for blurbs yourself can be tough if you have no ability to give somebody an arc. Yes. It I, is, yes, exactly. I, I came up against that. Um, yeah, and we've we've had some some people in chat. We should probably pay attention yes. to. We should acknowledge the chat a little. I'm just going on and on here. I yes. saw Scott Pondy's in the house. Mm -hmm. Scott Pondy. He said congratulations a while ago. Thank you, Pondy. Everybody's been saying very nice things. Yes, Under Pope is going to write uh, the this. coattails of your famous author friend. Good Godspeed. Um, Stephen <laughs> Joyce is here. Everyone who enjoys fun variety streamers, follow Stephen Joyce. Uh, you're a writer, not an unpaid social media advertising website publisher, publishing SEO logistics expert. No, no, Stephen, I'm not. I'm no. sorry. The, I'm... Kid, the kids are asleep said uh, bad feels could be like shit color glasses when we read our own stuff. And I just want to acknowledge that because it's a great sentence. Yes. Uh <laughs> 
<laughs> so, uh, I had, there, there's a major shuttle crash in Station Eternity, and a good number of the people aboard die. And they're not, they're not established as characters, it's just, we get a list of who died. Because they're all supposed to be notable people, senators and pop stars and right. stuff. And I'm I'm hitting that point in the chapter, and I'm like, I hate coming up with names. I hate it. And now I have to come up with a whole bunch. And so basically I asked my Discord, who wants to be a dead person in my books? And <laughs> I took every name they gave me. And Whimsical Sage just says, I just read Station Eternity yesterday, and it's so good to see that you're alive, Cheryl, because Cheryl uh, was one of the dead people in my books. <laughs> I believe, didn't I make you a senator, Cheryl? Senator or diplomat, I can't remember. But, um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's hard. Yeah. This yeah. stuff's hard. And this stuff is very hard. If you hadn't gleaned that from the last <laughs> hour of us talking about this, yes, it's a very hard thing to do. No, but seriously, um, sometimes it's enough to just recognize that, and not enough people do. Because writing is so immensely devalued as a profession and as a skill and as a craft by so many people, yeah. you get to a point where you get to a point where you feel like complaining or whining about it or whatever. You know, you feel like that's what it is. You feel like you're whining and you should shut up. Like, no, give yourself the credence to realize this is a very hard thing to do, mm -hmm. especially because most of us have to do it around all the other shit we have to do because no one is paying you enough to do this. So it's it's very difficult. Yeah. Be just be kinder with yourself than you're being, because you probably need to be kinder with yourself than you're being. Yes. But um, Mur, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. You no, wanna, go ahead. No, no, I just, I, you know, we've been t we literally have been talking for about an hour now. And, we have. Uh, I think we should give away some books. That's you what think? I think. Okay. I have, I have books. I have these books here. All right. Um, are and... you, the thing with giveaways is are we going international or not? I know we have at uh, least some Canadians in chat. We have yeah, I know. I'll ship. Fuck it. I'll ship international. I got. Uh, a, I got. A corp I got a corporation. I can expense it. It's a business thing. Um, let's do. Um, I uh, yeah. Oh, do you have? Do? I got. Oh, I got shit, tools, wait. man. I got tools. I didn't know. That was the thing I said to Mer before we started. I want to give away these books, but I have no idea how to do it because I don't know. I how think Twitch I missed works. that part. I'm sorry. I was probably yeah. trying to run around and do things. Um, no, we have a. Uh, but you guys already know. Okay. Apparently, chat chat's going crazy. Oh, I guess I put I put open the giveaway, and I guess it told chat what was going on. Yeah, you do uh, exclamation point savage to do the book giveaway, and uh, we'll let that run for ten minutes. But I want to bring up one thing that we forgot to talk about. I didn't really forget to talk about it because it's not really the point of what we're doing here. But um, right, you 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 are a, a game designer by day. And oh shit! Yes, your... I completely forgot. <laughs> it's really Sorry, funny because I, authors, all the authors I know, are very good with their NDAs. Some will tell you, but most will not. And you know, Matt and I have been very close. Uh, Tom, to enter the giveaway, you do exclamation point savage. Uh, as you see other people doing in the chat. Um, so. Uh, so I've known Matt has been working at a game company for years now, and I did not know anything about what he was doing. And so he sent me a text on Sunday saying that the uh, big, what they call it, the Xbox gaming... Summer summer Showcase, Summerfest. Yeah. Anyway, the, yeah. Uh, Microsoft not E3, putting, basically. Not E3 was putting out a <laughs> an hour of videos uh, to announce new games. Yep. And... 
we sat through the whole thing. Your, yours was the anchor. Ours Except was the main event. Starfield, I guess, which was another hour yeah. after that well, one. Well, they, yeah, Starfield had its own thing. We we headlined the main the mainstream. Uh, yes, Robin, in exile, right? In um, exile entertainment. So yes. tell us about the the game now that you finally can, and I'm going to be so no. fucking jealous because it sounds amazing. And if you need any other writers, let me know. I dude, you. I told you on Sunday if I had any hiring authority at the studio, you already would have a job. There, okay. there are several people that would already have jobs, but I have, I have not achieved that level of power yet. Yet, I say. No, it's so funny. We just got so deep into this, I completely forgot that this this other thing even existed. So yes, in Exile Entertainment, the game is called Clockwork Revolution. No one knew anything about it before Sunday. Like we had, we had, it had been top, top secret. And they do not fuck around about that stuff. Like, oh no, you know, somebody put something on their Pinterest that kind of ancillarily hinted at what the genre of the game might be. <laughs> and I think, and I think they flayed that guy alive and there hung his a, body outside. There was a gear. Studio. Yeah, there was so a gear. You know, yeah, and it wasn't even that I didn't want to like tell close people. I was afraid to type anything and send anything over an open network. So I did not. I didn't fuck around with that. So yeah, nobody knew what it was. If you searched for Xbox Over Showcase on Google before Sunday, nobody was even talking about us. I think one, I think IGN mentioned us in their prediction list like right at the end, and they thought we might be doing like a Fallout kind of thing. So um, it was really really cool to see what it was going to be on Sunday. When the when the when they announced the game, the trailer dropped, and it was not disappointing. So it's Clockwork Revolution is a first-person shooter and a sprawling role-playing game. It's a steampunk, and it has time travel elements to it, and that's kind of all I can say right now. I can't really say anything beyond what you saw in the trailer, but yeah, that's pretty much I, what the trailer says. It's I, gorgeous. You know, I, I, yeah, it's oh my god, dude! It's so it's beautiful. It's it's amazing. So. Yeah, man, I I've been working on it for a long time, and it was it was a long time of not being able to say anything. It was really cool to see the and again, like we said, the trailer headlined uh, the stream, Xbox stream. Like it opened with Fable and it closed with Clockwork Revolution, and then Phil Spencer comes on, the CEO of Xbox Studios, and the first two games he talks about were Fable and Clockwork Revolution, mm-hmm. which was very 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 cool for all of us. So yeah, I am one writer among many, I'm one narrative designer among many. Um, I work with an amazing team of writers on this thing, but I have been with this, with this game since the beginning. It's the first video game I've worked on since Inception, and I'm super, super excited about it. So yeah, this has been, it's been a week for me so far, bro. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is the biggest thing I've ever worked on, honestly. It's the biggest canvas and the biggest kind of just media, like, property I've ever worked on. So it's been super cool to, all I was doing Sunday was just watching, like, Twitch streamers like you, Mer. Uh, react to the trailer and it was just so cool to see everybody like dig it and vibe on it and get get excited about it yeah yeah very much looking forward to that i'm um yeah we're not sure whether we're gonna up update our xbox or get it for do you do you know if you're supporting the uh steam deck um, I don't recall offhand. I know we're. Okay. I know it's. I know it's. It's. It's going to be through Game Pass on Xbox, and it's going to be PC. That was announced. I know Steam I, I was. Can't. Steam was on the list, but not every game released on Steam yeah. is on the. I'm. I'm saving up for a Steam Deck. That's my birthday present to myself. No, totally get it. I mostly I'm not going to say because I don't know and I don't want to guess and I don't want to say anything. And yeah, I'm just so afraid of saying something I'm not supposed to say at this point. So yeah, yeah. 
but um, uh yeah so it's all but it's all very cool and i'm sorry folks i uh keep meaning to put i i in order to stop in order to not have pre-roll ads and i realize i'm saying this and no one's gonna be hearing it because they're listening to the regular ads uh, i'm still working with getting ads running at the proper time i'm not a pro like stephen joyce and who like takes a little okay thank you robin uh as i was saying that the, the I put the ads in the middle so that people can come directly to the stream and not get ads in the first part. And then I forgot to warn people at certain times that the ads are coming and take a break then. And that is on me and I'm very sorry. Um, I, I need, I need, I need to take class from Steven. Steven, can we talk offline? Cause I just really need some help from you. Cause you, <laughs> Steven is recently just amazing streamer, but also leveled up and, uh, with, with all the, the new stuff on, uh, his channel. So anyway, thank you, Steven. So I apologize for the ads there. We were talking about Clockwork Revolution. We are talking about that book you have that's out. We are talking about dropping my pen. Anything else you want to talk about before we, let's see, how much more time do we have on this giveaway? If you just arrived, the giveaway is uh, exclamation point savage and you will get the trilogy sent directly from Matt. Which means yep. they'll be signed. You're signing them, right? You're not gonna I'm, be one of those people. I'm, no, I'm signing all of them. You can I'll personalize it if you want, or I could just sign my name so you can sell them on eBay. Like it's up to you. I have, I have no issue either way. Excellent. Um, I haven't done a giveaway in a while. Oh, good. I'm just tell me where am I? Where I'm in the? Oh no, there it is. Ha ha. Okay, two minutes left on the timer. Oh yeah, I see it. That's wild. No, I'm just like I said. I didn't know we had tools for this one, so I thought I was gonna have to like close my eyes and then just point at my screen nope. to a chat name. I didn't nope. know. We so. got it. We're we're. I got you taken should, care of. I should have known. You're you're fucking. You're Twitch Pro, Mer. You got a you got a crackerjack. I am a Twitch operation here. I should have anything you. Um. What's what's after Apprentice? Journeyman. I'm Twitch Journeyman. Journeyman. That's yeah. unnecessarily gendered, but that's fine. Whatever. That's good. Um, someone is asking uh, a question. Why can I see the name? Journey person. Journey person. Twitch yeah. semi-prozine. Thank you, Number Sinja. <laughs> uh, Kay Kimmy wants to know how many games slash projects so. you work on at any given moment. Far too many. Is is the overarching answer to that quote? Way more than I should, or that is sustainable over the long term. Um, I so I I write I write for the the studio full time, like forty hours a week. It's 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 my full time. It's a full time job, and I'm usually working on at least two books. Aside from that, if not more, in varying stages, uh, at any at any time. Um, but at the game job, this is why know. we don't uh, put on our podcast as often as we used to because Matt is right. so fucking busy and important. Yes, it's just me. You're not doing 12 million things yourself no. or anything. So no. at the game studio, <laughs> uh at the game studio, I only do one game at a time though. If that's if if we need to specify more. That's generally how it works. You start on a project, you work on it for many years and then you move to another project. Yeah. And I was not implying that that you are the problem it's it's the no, you're no. very very busy there is no i am but i just denying that I, I wanted to also point out that you too are very busy and doing many exciting and wonderful things that I we kinda, are excited about i kind of do some stuff we are at the last seconds if you have not entered uh, exclamation point savage to enter the giveaway and then i believe it just kind of happens in 15 seconds 
So exciting. Sweet. How many people can we pick? We didn't really talk about that. We did not we just talk doing about one? that. Can you um, do more than one? I'll do three. Like, I'll do up to three if we can pick three people. We can... Okay, we'll take the... Okay. Oh, I hit pick winner. Can I say how many... Hang on. I'm trying to understand. This is not useful. All right, we're going to randomly pick one winner, and then we're going okay. to roll a die for the remaining people. I like it. I just need a die, but, you know. I, I have gotta a lot of believe. dice in this house because gaming's nerdy. I was going to say, I got to believe in your house. You're never that far from a from a many-sided die. It's Shauna! Yay! Shauna's the winner? Is that yep, what we're saying? Shauna's the winner. Shauna's the winner. Congratulations, Shauna. That's awesome. Okay. So you're going to... You're going to get a set of the full trilogy in paperback uh, signed. And if you want me to personalize it to you, um, could you email me that? Because that would be helpful. Can you email me at matt at matt-wallace.com and let me know how you want the book personalized and where to send it to. All right. Is that cool? Maybe put that in the chat for reference. Well, Sean is also active in the Discord, so I can oh, tell cool. them that if they somehow missed it, but they're sending me ease and okay sounds good so sweet yes, yeah matt at matt-wallace.com address and let me know how you want the books personalized and i will get them out to you lickety split yes there are a lot of dice in this house just not in this room it's very interesting not not really it's quite boring and i don't know why i said it out loud um i was trying to go with it i know i know you were things thank you dude thank you i gotta let me let me just see if i can pick another one see what the bottle do yeah, no, I gotta believe we have the technological capability nope. to pick more. No, nope, we don't. Says, oh, wait, no. <laughs> okay, yes, I can. Okay, Under Pope won the second one. Oh, sweet. Congrats, Under Pope. That's awesome. And we got one more. You said three, right? No, yeah, three is good. Numbers Ninja is just on it, man. Thank God for Numbers Ninja. What's Numbers Ninja doing? Well, they announced the thing. Is oh, that a thank you. And the third one, Hildy Eric. Hildy Eric, congratulations. All right, so those are the three. I've I've learned and I've learned a little bit more about what my bot can do, which is cool. So cool. thank you, Matt. Cool. So it wasn't the with bot. See, I don't I don't know how anything works. So it, it was, I'm still yes. gonna give numbers ninja credit though. Yeah. Very cool. Well, congrats to all the winners. Uh again, please email me at Matt with two T's at Matt-Wallace.com, just like my name. And let me know where to send the book and let me know how you want it personalized if you want it personalized uh, to you. And uh, like I said, congrats. Thanks for coming. I really, seriously, thank you for coming out to the stream. That means the most to me. I really appreciate you being here to celebrate with Murr and I. Very cool. Oh, t t talk about Dark Delicacies. Oh, no, yeah. So I am doing um, a number of events this month. And one of them is my first live in-person store event since 2020, since before the lockdown started. I have not done an in-person store book-related event since then. I'm going to be at Dark Delicacies in Burbank, California, I believe on the 24th. Uh, but you can go to the events section of matt-wells.com to find out about all the events. But yeah, Dark Delicacies is an amazing store in Burbank. It's horror themed. It's not strictly a bookstore. They do have a lot of books and a lot of magazines and comics and stuff, but they also have a giant collection of memorabilia and all kinds of horror related merchandise. They do a lot of horror themed events there with authors and filmmakers and actors. 
Um, the last time I was there, I think I did an event with Amber Benson and Corey Doctorow at the, we did, we did a signing all together. So that doesn't sound like a really cool event there. No, it was not. No, it was like, it was dude. I, I, I'm sure I've told that story on the podcast before about how, like, when I first came to California, one of the first things I did oh, was right. go to Dark Delicacy. Yeah. Right. I went to Dark Delicacies and Amber Benson was signing there and I was a scrub author at the time. And I was like, I got, I'd love to be a fancy author doing fancy events like Amber Benson. And then I got to do an event with Amber Benson. So it was really, she's delightful, by the way. Couldn't, couldn't be a nicer uh, person. Um, and obviously we're big fans of Corey in this podcast too. And we're good friends with him. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, so Dark Delicacies is an immensely cool place. If you're anywhere around Burbank, California, on the 24th of June, I really hope you'll come uh, see me and say hi and you know get get your book signed or whatever you want to do. I'll be there, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I've done I've done a lot of a book. I did I used to do a lot of book events there. I did a lot of my Sinister events there. I did the Savage Legion launch there when the first Savage book came out. They're great people. I always like supporting them and bringing them business. Uh, my mother will be there. You can meet my mom, too. She'll be floating around taking pictures, buying all the copies of my books, because that's just how she is. And, um, so you can't have any. No, man. My dude, my mom uh, makes the owner's day when I do live events, because they know they're going to sell out no matter what happens. My dad um, does the same thing, although we don't have a local indie bookstore in where I'm from, but my dad just buys lots of copies. I'm like, Dad, I can send you a copy. He's like, no, no, I, then I get some to... to, to to hand out to people and exactly you gotta it's for extra people she's bringing me copies to sign for like 20 million people too she's just that's what that's what your parents do you know also your dad can kill people with his hiring fist so he's, <laughs> he's, a, he's a cool dude <laughs> that's, that, that's just you know totally relevant and a nice little afterthought there it's just it's always the thing i think of when you mention your dad because it's just very cool to me but yeah that is also the other things you said are also cool too yes um and in conjunction with, I'm sorry, just in conjunction with all that, because I was going to mention at the end anyway, like I said, go to matt-wallace.com. Um, I'm also doing, tomorrow I'm doing a virtual event hosted by Copper Dog Books with Kate Elliott, which I'm really excited about. I'm doing one at the end of the month at Mysterious Galaxy with Premium wow. Muhammad, which I'm very excited about. Premium? You can do yes. a premium thing? I get to do a pre. it's a virtual, those are all virtual events, so it doesn't matter where you are in the world, they're all free. You got to think, sign up for Crowdcast to see them, but that's free too. So please go to my website and get all the info on that and come out and support all of those, uh, especially the ones where I'm with other authors because they're way more interesting, uh, especially because, you know, Kate Elliott, Primo, these are, they're amazing people. So mm -hmm. please, please do come check all that out. I'm going to be all over the places all month and you can find out where at, at my website. Excellent. Well, um, I'm Mer Lafferty, and uh, you can find my stuff at merverse.com where I have a new podcast. Did I tell you about this? You have a new pod? You're doing yeah. another podcast? Yeah. What is wrong with you? I got a new podcast. This, yeah. Um, well, I've been trying to figure out what to do. My archives are so big that uh, I, I've wanted to maybe... And, and it, basically, my archives have chronicled my career since before I'd ever sold a short story. And so I decided to go through and look at the early episodes and comment on them. So it's the first episodes with commentary on either end. And I'm transcribing them as well. And then I'm commenting on, Please. I'm annotating the transcriptions for Patreon supporters. So that's a little bit more under the hood detail and snark uh, provided there. So, um, so yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Have, that sounds have, awesome. I'm, I'm down. You have I Should Be Writing, which is me now talking about writing. And then you've got I Should Have Been Writing, which is me commenting on the early episodes of I Should Be Writing. So, uh 
Yeah. And it's and like D it's like DVD special features, if anybody remembers those. Who doesn't much, love DVD? Yeah. Who doesn't love is. DVD extras? Yeah, that's awesome. Mighty Mur the Gritty Reboot. Yes, K Kimmy. And then you've got Chaos Terminal, which is available for uh pre-order. And it is very pretty yellow and green cover. And that comes Beautiful. out in November. It's a Mur Reacts to Mur channel. I guess it is. I guess it is. There will be no <laughs> Mur like, Reacts to Mur channel. That's awesome. There'll be no it. no direct it's probably either giggling or hiding in embarrassment instead of like shock or outrage or disgust or something so uh but anyway people are saying they're enjoying it i've got two episodes up and uh i don't see anybody on to raid um steven are you are you streaming today i forget whether you're a monday or a tuesday um but since you're still commenting then i'm guessing you're not streaming right now not tonight sadly okay well, I'm sorry to hear that, but uh, you guys should follow Stephen Joy's regardless, because uh, a a more pleasant stream you will not find. And, Damn right, uh, Matt. Congratulations, dude! You you busted your ass, and I know it was a not the best journey, but I'm hoping the uh, destination will make you happy. So it was a journey worth taking. Thank you for doing the stream and helping me celebrate today. Dude, it made it it made it made all that much more special. You and Numbers Ninja. And of course, Jimothy, wherever he is. All of you have my love. You're some of my favorite people. And I can't wait to get to see you all in person again. I know. That's going to be fun. I get to see Matt in Maybe. two months. Yay. All right. So we yeah. will hopefully be back next week. And um, we have someone we it's not confirmed yet so i'm not going to say who but we do have a guest planned we just need to confirm it but um yeah follow on twitch we're going to remain live on twitch i should be writing as move to just recording but twitch remains live because matt and i have fun talking to each other but exactly. congratulations matt this podcast was produced under creative commons attribution non-commercial no derivatives license music provided by devo spice devospice.com this is a free podcast brought to you by the kindness of our patrons. If you would like to also be kind and a patron, go to patreon.com slash mightymurr.